0: Good morning. morning. Good to see you this morning. My name is Josh, and one of the pastors here at Wawa See, Glad you can be with us. And anybody at home watching online, uh, glad you can be with us today, too. Hey, happy Father's Day. We've already said it, but let me say it again. Happy Father's Day, guys. And uh, even if you're not a dad... If you're a man in our church, you get the opportunity really to represent God the Father and be a dad to kids in in ways that uh, maybe their dads can't be at times. And so we're really grateful for you too. But in order to equip you with that task, I thought it was important for you to have a few more dad jokes in your back pocket. All in favor? All the guys say yes, everyone else groans. So here you go. Do you know why eye doctors live so long? Because they dilate. Get it? Dilate? Yeah, that's pretty good. Do you like that? Do you know why? Did you hear about the guy too that got fired from the orange juice factory? He couldn't concentrate. <laughs> or how about what do you call what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. <laughs> now, if you don't like any of those, I would just recommend elevator jokes, because they work on so many levels. <laughs> and I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. Uh, What did what did the dad buffalo say to his son on his way out the door? Bison, (laughs) bye, son. Get it. You, that's pretty good. Some of you guys are going to be telling those. I guarantee it. And uh, I couldn't be happier. But you know, even though dad jokes are a thing, and uh, funny, as we said already, being a dad really isn't a joke. And it's such an important role, men, that you have in God's family and in your personal family that you play such a huge role in God's design. And if you are a dad, if you happen to be a dad, you get the great privilege of sharing sharing God's name. He shared his name with you of father, of Abba, which simply means dada. It's really a tender term for dad, like daddy. And uh, you might have the greatest influence of anyone else in the lives of your kids, or if you're not a dad of kids in our church, um, in their relationship with their heavenly father you get a great opportunity to represent him to them as you bear his image. And we are so thankful for you. <clears throat> you know, Mother's Day can often be a day of of longing and uh, especially for ladies maybe who have had trouble conceiving children uh, and couples or have lost children. Um, And Father's Day can be that very much as well. But it also tends to be a day uh, where where sometimes it brings on different emotions in the sense of, uh, you know, my dad was absent or my dad was uh, overly critical or my dad was abusive verbally, emotionally, maybe even sadly physically. And so you hear Father's Day and you think, man, I hate that man I'm so disappointed in that man and if that's the case you're you're not alone a lot of people experience that and and it's it's really hard and and sometimes in hearing that uh, even if you had a really good dad maybe your dad still even for all the ways that he was good you know that he still fell short and those of us who are dads you know exactly what I'm talking about because you feel it yourself of the ways that you fall short and you know the ways that you fail. And, uh, you know, for some, I talked to someone last service who uh, they, they don't ever remember hearing their dad tell them that he loved them. And maybe that's you too. That you may know that he loved you, but that can be a really hard thing sometimes for whatever reason for men to say. So if you are a dad, be sure you tell your kids that audibly, consistently, continually, so they know it, but also, if, if that's the case for you, you know, it may be one of those things where uh, what tends to happen is if we have a bad experience with our earthly dad, we tend to project that on our heavenly dad. And so we judge our, earthly fa- or our heavenly father by uh, the representation of our earthly father when it really needs to be the other way around. That we need to judge our earthly dads by the example of our heavenly dad who's perfect. And he loves you perfectly, And while the love of your earthly father may be uncertain, God's love for you is totally certain, totally certain. Now, it might be hard for you to believe that, that God is really loving and that he actually loves you. But we're going to dive into those questions today. And I'm going to tell you, just spoiler, he is loving and he does love you passionately. So with that in mind, let me pray, and then we're going to jump in today, okay? Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in him we are loved, that, uh, that in him uh, we're your kids and we're part of your family, and that you love us uh, with uh, uh, such a perfect love. It's everything we've ever wanted and everything that we long for. That's the way in which you love us. So Lord, would you uh, remind us of that today? And uh, maybe for some of us, if that's a struggle even to believe or to think about, would you, by the power of your spirit, correct that thinking and uh, draw us uh, more into the light of your truth and help us to embrace that by faith and receive it and experience it. Lord, uh, teach us today by the power of your spirit and by your word and even teach me as I teach. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, starting off this morning, I just want you to know God is perfectly loving. God the Father is perfectly loving. So much so that John actually in his first letter has the gall to write, uh, God is, what's the, what's the next word? Love. God is love. Now our culture kind of mixes that up and says that love is God, But the reality is the opposite. God is love. And true love, then, when we understand what real love is, not just romantic love, but love like of a brother and sister, of a father and a daughter, father and a son, it's it's ultimately rooted in God the Father and in who he is and in the Trinity. You know, uh, to do this, then, to really understand love, I think we need to look at a description from God's word of what love truly is. And again, this applies to romantic love, but it's so much bigger and so much broader than that. So check this out. You've probably heard this uh, read at a wedding. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, first off, love is patient. Now John tells us God is love. So that means that this description of love, ultimately, it's in God's word and it's rooted in who he is. So in many ways, we can read this as a description of God the Father, God, so, so love, God the Father, he's patient. He's patient. Have you ever thought about that? You know, do you ever worry like, oh, maybe I just really got mad, God mad at me over that thing. He's patient with you. Or no, he's gonna give up on me. Everybody else in my life has given up on me. Surely he will too. no. He's patient. In fact, uh, Peter writes this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. I'll give you a few scriptures here. If you want to write them down, you can. Second Peter 3, 9, as some understand slowness, he's not slow. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance, to turn to him. He goes on later, he says in verse 15 of chapter 3 in 2 Peter, bear in mind that our Lord's patience then means salvation. He's patient because he wants you to come to him. He's patient with you. If your earthly dad wasn't patient, if he flew off the collar like that, that's not so of your heavenly father. He's patient with you. Love is patient. Not only that, but love is, what's the next one? Help me out, kind. Love is kind. Did you know that God is kind? He's kind toward you. That might be hard for you to really wrap your mind around. You might have always thought, or maybe you grew up in an overly religious church or or home or something, and you you hear God and you think rules, and you think um, all the ways that he's disappointed in me, and maybe even angry with me, and no, he's kind toward you, and he's patient. In fact, Paul tells us that it's his kindness and his patience that leads us to repentance to turn to him he doesn't he doesn't become kind when we turn to him he is kind and that's what causes us to turn to him big difference God is kind love is kind It's patient and it's kind it, it does not envy it doesn't boast it's not proud it does not dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not uh, check this one out it is not easily angered you know uh, One phrase that shows up over and over in the Old Testament is this. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. You are slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. He's slow to anger. And in fact, I think you could even say, and the Bible would teach, that if you're in Christ, in other words, if you've trusted Jesus, that you're loved and God is not angry with you. He may be angry about your sin, hear that, right? Like, Like God still gets angry with sin and angry about sin and of wrongdoing and wants us to turn back to him, but he's not angry with you. He loves you. He's slow to anger. He cares deeply about you. Listen, if your earthly dad just had a temper or has one and and you can never please him and he's just always, that's not God the Father. He loves you. He's slow, slow to anger. And it's repeated multiple times in the Old Testament. Not only that, but check this out. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Have you ever known people or maybe you've been afraid of certain people because you know they've got this list or they know these things about you and maybe even you project it on them like surely they're holding those things against me. They've got their list. They've got their whole record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. God is love. God keeps no record of wrongs. Do you don't believe me? It it mentions this multiple times in scripture as well. I'll give you one. Hebrews 8 verse 12. God says, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. That means you're not, he doesn't hold that record of wrong against you. When, When God has forgiven you in Jesus, you are clean. You're forgiven. Now, could there still be consequence for your sin? Oh well, yeah, but does God hold it against you eternally? No, he keeps no record of wrongs. It's done, it's been dealt with. It goes on, love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God is truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. It always protects it. Do you know God is your protector? If your earthly dad failed to protect you, God the Father protects you. And he's a greater father to you. Read Psalm 91 this afternoon. Psalm 91 is all about God's protection of his kids, how he shelters them under his wings, how he's a, he's a fortress and a, a bulwark for them. He protects you. He, love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8 love never fails, never fails. Never. He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never turn on you. He's perfectly trustworthy. He doesn't force himself on anyone. He shows kindness to everyone. That's why Paul says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And, you know, maybe the greatest expression of God's love for us shows up in in maybe the best known verse in all of scripture. Most widely known. You've seen it on big pieces of cardboard. You'll see it again if they ever play football this fall. Do you know it? What is it? John 3.16. And it goes like this. uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever gets it all right and gets their whole life together will be loved by him and have eternal life. Is that what it says? No. What do you have to do? Believe. Receive that from him. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. You know, uh, one of the ways you could describe love, by saying God is perfectly loving, we're saying that he is continually giving of himself to others. That's a, that's a phrase, a definition that Wayne Grudem uses in his book on theology. He says that God is continually giving of himself. He's always giving, always outpouring. God so loved the world that he gave. Love is patient, love is kind, it's not self-seeking, it's, it's giving, right? God is a giving God. And it shows that part of his nature is to give himself to others in order to bring about blessing and good for others. He demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. He gave himself on the cross. You know, uh, uh, love is an attribute of God. We're diving into some theology here before we get rolling this morning, okay? L- love is an attribute of who God is and God's attributes you can kind of uh, d- divide into two categories. You've got incommunicable attributes, meaning these are attributes that That are true of God, but that I don't share with God, right? They don't be communicated through me. In other words, um, God's omniscience, He's all knowing. God's omnipotence, He's all powerful. God's omnipresence, He's everywhere all the time, He's omnipresent. Uh, Those are His incommunicable attributes. Make sense? Attributes are just things that are true of Him. Now, on the flip side, the other category are His communicable attributes. Communicable attributes uh, would be just the opposite. Those are things that we can communicate by, by our nature. In other words, and the chief among those would be God's love, his goodness, his mercy, his patience, his grace, his kindness. His love is, I would argue, the chief of his, and his goodness, the chief of his communicable attributes. And so we get the opportunity then to reflect that love. And so uh, guys, as, as we, if you're a dad, if you're not a dad, whatever your role in our church, you get to communicate the loving kindness of our God, of God the Father to everyone else in our church and everyone else in your neighborhood and everyone else you work alongside. You get to reflect that to others and reflect that loving kindness. You know, uh, and not only that, but you get to experience it. Because it's communicable, you can experience it and know his love at a deep level. Friends, that's why we say it all the time, you are loved. You're loved, by a a heavenly father who is perfectly loving and you can experience that love in Jesus Christ. See, God is perfectly loving and in Jesus Christ, you are loved. You know, we've, we've spent a lot of time just some unpacking a little bit of the theology of the attribute of God's love to get started this morning. And now I want to take you to a point in time in Jesus' life when he gets to experience the loving kindness of his father. When he gets to experience that communicable attribute of who God is, he gets to experience in his flesh the love of God. Are you ready for it? It's in Luke chapter three. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of set this up. In Luke chapter three, we read about Jesus coming to a guy by the name of John. And you might know him as John the Baptist because he was baptizing people all the time or John the Baptizer. He was baptizing people. He got a nickname. Uh, You know know you're, you're known for something when you got a nickname. He was John the Baptizer. He's baptizing guys in the Jordan River and Jesus comes to him. It was actually his cousin, by the way, And uh, what happens is Jesus leaves Nazareth, uh, his home, uh, where he was uh, likely serving as a carpenter, like his earthly dad, Joe, did. And for 30 years, he had been doing this, and now at about age 30, he takes off to go get baptized by John. I wonder, as he's leaving home, what he's thinking, if he's maybe a little unsure of what the next steps are for him in his life, humanly speaking, he, he probably was and in many ways though, he for sure knew the next step at least was to go get baptized and to identify himself with the message of repentance that John was preaching because ultimately that's what baptism is. Baptism is uh, uh, an identification with the message or movement or, uh, of someone or something or some person and in that day, that's how it was understood in part. And so John is baptizing people, and he would say, you know, I baptize you with water, but he'd say, uh, one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so Jesus shows up to John to get baptized, and John is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you getting baptized by me? I should be baptized by you. Why are you identifying with my, I, I want to identify with you. You should be the one baptizing me. And Jesus tells him, you can read about that in Matthew, that uh, no, I have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. This is part of God's plan. And in doing this, Jesus is doing a couple things, I believe, in getting baptized. Because you might be going, why does Jesus need to get baptized? I thought baptism, you know, John's baptism was one of repentance from sin. Jesus didn't sin. What's he need to repent of? Well, it's, it's also an, an issue of identification. So Jesus is identifying with John with his message, saying that th- this is a true prophet. He is preaching the truth of the gospel. We do need, all, all men do need to repent and be baptized and turn to the Lord. He's saying, I, this is true. I'm identifying with this message. And Jesus would take on the mantle of that message himself then from that point forward. But also it's an identification with you and I. That, remember, God so loved the world that he gave his son. So when Jesus shows up to get baptized, he's identifying himself with messed up people like you and me and everyone else in the world who needs a savior and needs to repent, even though Jesus never needed to. But he's identifying himself as a human being with us. so baptism is all about identification identifying with Jesus his message and movement and so let me just as an aside really briefly before we get into this text uh, if you're a follower of Jesus have you been baptized you should Jesus says get baptized identify with me publicly now do you have to get baptized like are you going to hell if you don't get baptized no Uh, Case in point, thief on the cross. It's not like Jesus said, well, get down, get baptized, and then crawl back up, and then you'll be with me in paradise. No, he believed, and he was saved. But it is an act of obedience. It is an act of obedience, of identification. If you're interested in getting baptized, uh, shoot me an email or fill out a Connect card online. We would love to set up a time for you to do that and to take that step of faith. Maybe you'd be like me. I was baptized as a baby in the church I grew up in, and uh, before I became a believer, and after I became a believer, then I got baptized again. I was double dipped, so to speak. That could be you too. But would love for you to get baptized if you haven't. Well, hey, let's look at this. Luke chapter 3, short passage this morning. Luke chapter 3, we read this. Now, when all the people were baptized, all these people were coming out to John to get baptized and to identify with what was going on and uh, to give their lives to the Lord. And when Jesus had also been baptized and he was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son and with you, I am well pleased. Did you notice Jesus was praying? Luke is the only one in this account uh, between Matthew, Mark, Luke and John who tells us that, that Jesus was praying in this moment I wonder, I don't know if that means he was praying like while he's getting baptized, coming up out of the water, if it means like a little while later after he'd been baptized, he was praying. Not super clear, but in any case, he was praying and praying is simply talking to God. I wonder what was he talking to his father about? What do you think? Was he asking him like, hey, what's next? What do you have next for me? Was he asking him... Um, for, for a sign that he should continue on the path that he was on? Was he saying, Lord, here I am, Father, here I am, send me. We, we don't know what he was praying, but well, you know what we know? The answer came quickly. The answer came really quickly. And his father, and in a, in a powerful way, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form. You see a picture of the Trinity here, which we're not gonna get into today, but father, son, and spirit. And then the father speaks and, and he hears this answer, a voice from heaven, you are my loved son. And with you, I am well pleased. I wonder what was it like for Jesus to hear these words? Remember, Jesus wasn't created at his birth. Jesus is eternal. He's always existed. When when he was born, he, he was simply God who put on flesh, God who became a human being. His human life started at his birth, but not his life. He's always existed. So he's always been with the father in a loving relationship with him. Right? And now for these 30 years, I wonder, it, it had maybe been 30 years now since he had heard the voice of the Father. And now he hears it audibly. What would that have been like? Imagine you're praying this afternoon, or tonight before bed or in the morning when you wake up, and as you're praying, all of a sudden, you just you hear God's voice say, "You are my loved son. You are my loved daughter." And I am so pleased with you. Can you imagine what that would have felt like for him in that moment? Just sends shivers up my spine thinking about it for myself. Imagine that for Jesus. You know, friends, this is why it's so important. You know, this is a a phrase right here. You, You are my beloved son. You are my loved daughter. This is something every human being longs to hear from their creator, They long to hear it from their own father, their own mother. You are loved, and I'm so pleased with you. Do you know why we long to hear that from our earthly parents? Because we long to hear it ultimately from our heavenly father. And he longs to say it to you. And he does say it to you in Jesus Christ as you trust him, you would be loved. You are loved, and you can receive that love. Uh, Dads, again, if you have the opportunity to speak love into the lives of your kids, don't miss that opportunity. Even if you're not a dad, or if you're a mom, or if you're not a mom, when you get the opportunity to speak love into someone's life, especially a young life, don't ever miss that opportunity. I think I've told you before, one of the the habits I've gotten into, even with with Charlie, he's four years old. um, It's to the point that he repeats it back to me now and says it to me, but I'll tell him every night before he goes to bed, a lot of times, even when I'm leaving the house, just kind of subconsciously now, hey, buddy, I love you and I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. You are my loved son and with you, I'm well-pleased. Now, it might have been the worst day in the world with that little boy. He might have just been raising all kinds of trouble, but at the end of the day, I still love him, and I'm still proud of him. And if I feel that way, sinful Josh, messed up Josh, if I can feel that way about my son, imagine how the perfectly loving Father, the creator of the universe, feels about you and he would say those same things to you if you're in Christ. You are loved, and he's pleased with you. Not because of anything you've done, but because of Jesus and his righteousness. You know, there's an incredible thing that happens at the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are made a child of God. You move from just his creation to his child. You're adopted into his family. Check this out in Galatians. Paul says, for in Christ Jesus, that phrase shows up over and over in the New Testament, being in Christ, that's what happens. You're in him, you're hidden in him when you trust Jesus. You are all sons of God through faith. Now, ladies, you might read that and you go, okay, what about daughters? Why doesn't it say daughters? Why just sons? Sons. Well, I think it's actually a pretty good thing it says just sons here, and here's why. Because in that culture at that time, uh, women, daughters, uh, didn't receive the same inheritance as a son would. They weren't viewed with the same respect as, as, as men were, as their male counterparts were. And so to say that we are all, every one of us, male, female, sons of God through faith, means we all have, have equal dignity, value, and worth before the cross, before Jesus Christ. And we are all, we all share that inheritance that he offers us as part of his family. That's great news. That's great news. You're loved. You you become part of his family. And your dad's a rich dad. And has all, yeah, woo, and has all kinds of great things for you, but the the best thing isn't the things he offers. The The best thing is him. And you get to spend eternity with him knowing that you're loved knowing that he's pleased with you for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ and then in 2 Corinthians 5:17 Paul says that uh, the other thing that happens uh, one of the other things that happens when you trust Jesus is you're a new creation you're brand new the old has gone the new has come Jesus tells Nicodemus you're born again Brand new life. Eternal life doesn't start after you die. Eternal life starts the moment you trust Jesus. And you're made part of his family. And you have a loving, perfectly loving dad. You know, this is a statement of identity, of who you are. You are loved, loved by the creator of the universe. You ever hear people tell stories about like their run-ins with somebody famous? Or maybe they'll post a selfie with somebody famous on Instagram or on Facebook and, hey, look at this, I'm cool because I'm by them. Well, how about the creator of the universe? The one who just like spoke and everything happened. And not only that, but he calls you friend, he calls you son, he calls you daughter, and he loves you. And when you become a follower of Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you are adopted immediately into his family. What a great truth, and that's who you are now. You're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. You may still sin, but you're a saint who occasionally sins, you're a saint, hear that. You're, you're no longer uh, dirty and messed up, you're clean before God. He keeps no record of wrongs, he's forgiven you. you are, uh, you're no longer under wrath and cursed, you're saved and you're free. You're no longer captive, you're free. You're no longer alienated, you're adopted. You're no longer cast out, you're accepted. (laughs) You're no longer an orphan. You've got a perfect dad. Those are statements of identity, friends, and I would encourage you to dive into that. Know who you are in Christ. And if you haven't trusted Jesus, those things can be true of you in an instant. It's simply a matter of faith, of saying, uh, Lord, I believe upon Jesus Christ. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the grave and I put my full trust and faith in him. The Bible says if you would do that by faith, you will be saved, and all of these things are not true of you. You're like, that's too easy. I know. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Friends, God is perfectly loving, and in Jesus Christ, you are loved. Now, as we wrap, I I just wanna say one more thing, that that love, that true love, God is love, and the love of God the Father, listen, It is never achieved. It is always received. Let me say it again. Think about that. True love that the Bible speaks of is never achieved. This goes uh, in terms of love between a parent and a child, in terms of a spouse, in terms of a dating relationship. Love is never achieved. It's only received. Always received. Because God, and when saying God is love, he's eternally giving of himself. And that can't be achieved. It can only be received. You can never do enough good things to make God love you more. In fact, his love for you today is the same as it was yesterday. It's the same as it will be a thousand, a million, three billion years from today. His love for you will never change. It will never increase. It will never decrease. It is perfect and it can only be received by faith. And that's who you are, that's your identity. See, a lot of times our culture teaches that to to become someone, I've got to achieve this identity. I've got to do enough good things And sometimes some of the the good parts of responsibility and everything else of our American culture can lead to really messed up thoughts about who God is and our identity in Christ. Because we think, well, we can just be self made, and if I do enough good things, then maybe God will love me. Maybe He'll love me a little more if I'm even better. You can never measure up. Never. Some of you have played that game with your own parents, and you never can measure up. Love can only be received. Your identity can only be received and you receive it by faith and then it's from that identity as a loved child of the king of the universe that you can live with confidence and with joy and live out all the good things that he's made you to do and who he's made you to be. Let me pray. Father, uh, thank you for Jesus and thank you for your grace to us through him. Lord, thank you that you love us deeply. That nothing we do could ever cause you to love us more. Nothing we do or have done would ever cause you to love us less. But that God, you are love. That you're perfectly loving. That in Christ, we can experience that love. Uh, friends with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, um, I want you to imagine for a moment again what that would have been like for Jesus to hear those words. Because see, if you're in Christ now when the Father looks at you, he, he doesn't see your sin, he doesn't see the ways you've fallen short or the ways you've messed up. And dads, even if you've failed as a dad, he doesn't look at that and hold that against you. He looks at you if you're in Christ as he looks at Jesus with the same affection, with the same grace, with the same smile. And he would look to you, hear these words that were spoken to Jesus as if they were spoken to you as uh, the band starts playing that, uh, listen, you are my loved son. You are my loved daughter and I'm so pleased with you I'm so proud of you not because of anything you've done but because uh, my son Jesus is good and he's given you all of his righteousness and I love you God has been eternally giving of himself for you friend and if you would trust him by faith, you are loved. Hear are a few more things even as you rest in that of what God says about who you are. See, the enemy would tell you that you're unloved, that you're neglected, that you're unlovable, but in Jesus Christ, you are deeply loved and known by a perfect Father. The enemy would tell you that you're alone, but in Jesus you are never alone. And you have a dad who hears you and who cares deeply about you. The enemy would tell you that you're condemned and no one could ever forgive you for that. But in Christ you're forgiven, you're clean, you're victorious you have a perfectly loving dad your, your, your earthly dad may not have been consistent but you know God is he's not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should ever change his mind whatever he has said he will do it numbers 23 19 your heavenly dad is, is patient he never explodes in anger at you is gracious and merciful, he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and finally he loves you friend without condition you can't achieve his love, it can only be received Uh, Titus 3 when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared he saved us not because of works done by us but according to his own mercy friends if you've never trusted Jesus, trust him Embrace the love of a father who loves you perfectly and deeply. And the worship team is going to begin singing now, and uh, you're welcome to join them, or even just sit and hear these words, uh, words that are affirming of who God the Father is, and of who you are as his child. Let's start... Um, Let me just take a moment and sit there um, Listen to these words And just dwell on them And and hear them in your heart Pray Um, We'll sing the chorus here Before we start the song to close You're a good, good Father It's It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are